Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. G'day lads, welcome back to the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. It's what the nerds are watching. I'm this week's host, Dom Philp on the mic. Not too hard, not too soft, but just right. We're coming to you live just about every single week here on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts from. No longer Stitcher, that is dying. But the best way for you to support is to rate, review, subscribe. Why don't you add this to your social media? It's at WSBFUN on Twitter. Why don't you add this to your Twitter stream? Is it still called Twitter? Is it called X? I don't really know. I've been on holiday for a month. Why don't you add this to your Instagram, at Wrestling Should Be Fun, or one word there, just like TikTok. Why don't you do a dance to my voice in this intro on TikTok? It's at Wrestling Should Be Fun, or one word. And also it's that on the new Twitter, which is called Threads, isn't it? Um, you can add us on Threads as well. It's at Wrestling Should Be Fun, or one word. I'm told that when you rate, review, subscribe, the holy tricolon, and when you shout us out, it really helps the algorithm, although it remains to be seen. This is episode 103, and we've got the old-fashioned two-man booth. It's like the Attitude Era. If I'm JR, well, then I'd better welcome the pervy Jerry the King Ruler. It's Ross the Boss Casey. Roscoe, how are you? Puppies. Hello, everyone. Yeah. How's it going? It's, it's, it's good to see you, Ross. I am very well. I'm very well. How are you getting on? You all right? Very well, thanks, mate. Very well. Lots going um, on, but enjoying the wrestling, as always. You can't beat a bit of graps to get over whatever you're getting over. There is there is not a single thing in the world that a cup of tea and Superstars 93 can't sort out, right? <laughs> Especially if you just watched an episode like I watched this morning where it had a Steiner screwdriver. Woo! On Superstars? On Superstars. On Glenn Roof, who went on to be Thrasher. His first headbang. Ro- <laughs> Good from you. Roof, R-O-O-F. <laughs> is that, is that Oh, Ruth, are you? Yeah, right. Sorry. <laughs> Both really badass wrestling names. <laughs> Ruth is better for like making up finishes and things, right? Also for crowd chants. Yeah. Ruth is on fire. <laughs> exactly. The roof. <laughs> the roof. <laughs> Raise the roof. <laughs> Do you know what? This is a perfect segue, Dom. Into the call up sheet. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Play that theme tune. Okay, this is a call-up sheet where we uh, make a connection with you, the customers. I mean, listeners. (laughs) Ross, who is our first customer this week? Run us through. So, customer number one. (laughs) (laughs) My fans are stupid pigs. (laughs) So, we've had a few people that have already had theirs, so let's call them out first. We've got ourselves Cristel Rodriguez. We've got ourselves Jacob Grondi. We've got ourselves Callum, Phil Stopford, editor extraordinaire. Big up Phil Stopford for the second time. Danger, danger, Mark Watkins. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Spike Trevay told you never to come back, Mark. <laughs> come back for more of you, Mark Watkins. Looking for a little bit more, huh? <laughs> Pleasure to have you back on board, Mark. And uh, thanks for the listen. So let's crack on with people who haven't yet been given a new gimmick. 
and we're starting off with Awesome Punk. Trust me, I'm an engineer. Awesome Punk. Engineer. Uh, I reckon that this guy is just a massive fan of former Indian cricket opener from the 1940s, Farooq Engineer, famous for just blocking the shit out of it in test matches. So, Awesome Punk, I reckon your your stable name is Punk Cricket, and you are a ripoff of Farouk Engineer from the 1940s. I bet, Awesome Punk, you don't understand any of what I've just said. <laughs> so, I'll try and counteract that and say that Awesome Punk, as an engineer, is obviously a technical submission-based wrestler, and all of his moves are named after things like trains. <laughs> <laughs> So he's got like steam train. <laughs> he's got what other kind of automobile based things? Uh, I like I like the idea if he was in like a multi man match where they do a Tower of Doom, but he's he's not involved with it. He's just like checking the structural soundness yes, of the yes. of the moves and stuff. Yeah. So he's on the outside making the coffin, making each of the ladders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs> he, yeah, yeah. He's, he's always just in ladder matches, and he's just checking to make sure that the ladder's not going to fall over, trying to get the correct angle so he can get up the ladder quicker. Like that, like that. So when it's Devon, get the table. It's actually awesome, punk. Check the ladder. <laughs> Check the ladder. <laughs> he's got like a measuring tape, <laughs> like spirit level. <laughs> Love it. That's very Great good. Start. That was like um, Lance Storm on Nitro. He actually, I remember this really well because I was there. I was in Brisbane. He like, he used to try to do this thing to stop him from wrestling, and he like comes out. He's like, "You Australians are no better than the Americans," and he's got a tape measure. Out. He's like, "Look, this top rope is two inches low." Amazing. One hundred percent. That's you, awesome punk. <laughs> Next up, we have ourselves Mr. Freaking Jackal. If you don't live for something, you die for nothing. Founder of Inner City Geeks, host of the Inner City Geeks podcast, and Suplex City Geeks from Tampa, Florida. Uh, big shout out to the Inner City Geeks podcast. I'm sure that's what you want, Mr. Freaking Jackal, if that is your real name. <laughs> um, I wonder if Jackal, like, is he a big fan of Don Callis, do you think, from the Attitude Era? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Have we had many, I'm trying to think, who are some of your favorite like wrestling nerd characters? Have we had any like real like dwindings um, in wrestling? Who have we had? Dean Douglas. Yeah, but teachers aren't nerds, Ross, you prick. <laughs> <laughs> My mum says I'm cool. <laughs> I guess the original Bailey's a bit of a nerd. Oh yeah, that's more like a lovable dork. <laughs> I, think, I think inner city geek, I think we've, we've got to give you like a book, a bookworm like proper like um big bang theory nerd character I'm, okay sure surely that's got to be done like that must have been done sometime with like the popularity of the big bang theory and all that right like have we ever oh i'm trying to think there's not really i mean like even can you think of anyone joseph park a little bit yeah yeah maybe maybe I was even thinking of like, I know this is completely different and I'm, the reason I sort of started talking and then stopped, I didn't know whether it was on the nose to say, but I was even thinking about like Eugene, about how when he was painted in the positive light, about like how he had like very high functioning level of chain wrestling. It was almost like even though he uh, had a disability himself, he was he still had this sort of 
amazing superpower. I wonder if there could be like an avenue for someone who was like really geeky, like high functioning, almost like on the spectrum sort of character. Um, but that would be very, very 90s attitude era and would definitely get the wrestling company cancelled, probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that, like, I'm, try- I'm trying to think about it in like a Big Bang Theory sort of way, do you know? Acceptable in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah. Calvin Harris. Oh, that's the, okay, you, uh, Mr. Freakin' Jackal, you just Calvin Harris. It was acceptable in the 80s. There you go. <laughs> you think you know me, you And we've also got ourselves Carl Luckhurst, who goes by Oddjob88, football referee manager, as well as wrestling enthusiast. Football referee manager? And manager. Oh, and manager. I thought he was like the guy that looked after the contracts for like Mike Dean. <laughs> well, that's a good wrestling character in my book. <laughs> <laughs> so he's, he's a manager, a referee manager. That's, he's not... Have we had this before? I feel like we've said this before, have we? Like, he's he's a manager for, like, the superstar referees like Bill Alfonso. Yeah, I like that. Like, almost what Adam Pearce acts as, like, the head of the refs, but he's not really. Yeah. But, like, someone who's exclusively just for that. And he's, like, he, like, introduced... He does, he does the ring announcements for the referee. <laughs> yeah. Like, before, before either wrestler comes out, yeah, the third person in the squared circle... Aubrey Edwards, you know, like, and that's him. If there's ever like a ref bump, he's like in the hair trying to like get them compensation. I think that's wonderful. And he's like a broadcaster, like um, Rosenberg or someone, and he hosts ref talk after every show. Yes, yes. <laughs> Going through the performances, star ratings for refereeing. <laughs> star ratings for refs is perfect. <laughs> And he, he he has to go into a feud with our very own con man, big lady cool, Matt Connolly. Absolutely. Critiquer of rest everywhere. Connolly is like his Meltzer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, unreal. I, I, oh, Carl Luckhurst, I think you've lucked out there. We, uh, I'm happy with that. The manager of referees. Fantastic. And that wraps up the call-up sheet. Brilliant stuff. Excellent. There's been a lot of wrestling going on, Ross. Now, I've been on holiday. Uh, I... Just about didn't see any wrestling for probably as long a period as I've gone in my adult life, a couple of weeks without seeing any shows. And then I came home yesterday and I tried to catch up on a few. So let's see if I can maybe keep up with you with what the nerds are watching. I've been watching you. A la 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 long. A la 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 long, 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 long. Come on. A la 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 long. A la 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 long, long. WTNAW for episode 103. Ross, I think the way that we should do it this week, there's only the two of us, I think that our two favourite wrestlers of all time, kind of, were in the headlines in the last week. I think that we should talk about the performances of Rob Van Dam for me and, of course, main event Jey Uso for you. What do you reckon? Absolutely, yeah. More than happy to. Did you did you catch the uh, RVD return, his return matchup for AEW? I did, and I also saw the return the previous week where Jerry Lynn brought him out. Yeah. I think, like, uh, it, I'm not sure if the AEW audience probably appreciated the use of Pantera Walk as much as us old-school ECW fans would have, but for me, that was just exciting enough to um, have, you know, Pantera play and RVD come out. 
um, that was exciting for me. Now, I saw uh, Rob recently in person. Um, I went and saw him at one of those sort of meet and greet live podcast events here in London last year. You know, I feel like he's still in pretty good shape and like he is, I think I read he's 53 now. So incredible shape for his age. But all the chat over the last sort of week or so has been like, oh, he's as good as he was in 96. I'm like, no, mate, he's he's not though, is he? Like uh, he's my favorite wrestler of all time is my hero. But maybe it's just because I love him so much. Maybe I'm the first to be able to admit that I felt, oh, he does look like he's got a bit of a hobble. And he, his vertical leap isn't quite what it was. Not that it should be, but I just, I think it would be unfair to not be honest about it just because I love the guy to be like, no, he's the best. Put the strap on him, TK. I did kind of feel like watching him do that entrance the first week. I was like, oh, you know, he maybe has lost, you know, just a quarter of a step. But yeah. I need to be expected. I don't know. What were your thoughts about his, the initial um, impressions about him and how he was looking and how he was moving? Well, we've seen, obviously, a few ECW guys come and go in the not-too-recent past. And I think RVD is looking of that group very, very well. And I think he was the right choice in this spot. I felt that the production on the match was very smart. I think that they used quite a lot of smoke and mirrors to keep RVD looking as best as he possibly could. And I think that with the time given, they, that they did a great job. I thought the... What's the move that he does where he like does the spinning kick when he's draped over the barrier? Is that called something or just like a... Yeah, so uh, Joey Styles would always just call it corkscrew leg drop. Corkscrew corkscrew leg, leg, drop. leg drop. Yeah, okay. the guillotine. Like, yeah. That in particular looked savage. I thought that was awesome looking. I don't know what it was that made it so. It was just like the connection that he got on it, I guess. And Jack Perry yeah. went absolutely flying. Jack Perry playing the kind of uh, almost like like legend killer Hollywood. I'm too good for this. L- looking down on on ECW was pretty perfect. Him wearing the Jerry Lynn outfit was a nice little touch. Yeah, like, big fan of that. I thought that was great. Me and you are probably the biggest ECW marks in the group. I would say probably. Yeah, and Shaf as well, right? Us two. Oh, and Shaf, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like sometimes with ECW when they've brought it back it's kind of dampened the memories rather than heightened them more recently than obviously in 2005 and 6 when they did bring it back and it was kind of epic but this didn't feel that way the only negative that I felt personally was that I felt really old like how you said the Pantera song got zero pop and I just felt really old and like oh yeah nobody knows this shit because that was 1997 yeah yeah Yeah, it's true and like and, and then again, like, it, it also reminds you just – I've got a few thoughts about the match as well and stuff, but, like, I guess the Pantera thing especially, the zero pop for it, if they played one of a kind, it probably would have got a bigger pop, which sucks for you and I. And don't get me wrong, I love RVD's first WWE run as well. I Like, that's when I really, really fell in love with him, and that's what made me go back and watch every ECW show they ever held. But I think that, yeah, it just, it just shows the, that – ECW now, 25 years later, still yeah. uh, it probably doesn't quite have the penetration as what we wished it did in it's current that, minds. It's that age-old argument that certain crusty people on Twitter always make about AEW, that they're only marketing to the niche audience. But if you're part of that niche audience, then you're all about it. So keep doing I, it, TK. <laughs> I, like people that are saying that on Twitter are probably in the niche audience as well. I don't know what they care. If they're making a show that you enjoy, what do you care if nobody else watches? 
<laughs> exactly. That's like it's like that. I always find it hard with football, and like people argue, like people, I can't believe they paid seventy-two million. That player is definitely not worth more than sixty-eight million. It's like, mate, what the fuck do you care? It's not your money. It's not yeah. real money. It's like, the, who cares? It's just a number. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I, I just you, find that it's such weird things to like try to argue about. Do you get the impression that that was a one and done for RVD? Yeah. Yeah, probably. I can't see a way that they're going to tell any more of a story with him. Like, I think it was just like a, a shout out and and um, a one and done. And like, he gets a chance to show that he can still do things and he can still get a pop and people still love him and he, you know, gets a paycheck. And then it's just that nice moment for people like us, maybe. I can't see him there really being a point in him being booked every week but that's maybe just because i don't want him to tarnish his legacy yeah yeah it's weird because like i say he's my favorite wrestler of all time like i love him but i don't want to risk those memories yeah two points on rvd one i think it would be great if they can use him against orange cassidy in an international match orange cassidy's been having some incredible matches and i think some of the kind of mannerisms that they could do as a pair would be pretty fun. Obviously, RVD was well known for the kind of like structured matches with Jerry Lynn. And I feel like OC takes a little bit of that in his wrestling and a pair of them doing it would be pretty cool. But the other thing that I was going to say is quite interesting that AEW was never really known as the place where you go for your last paycheck. And it feels a bit like of late, it's become that a little bit. And I'm all for it, but I'm quite interested as someone that I know likes AEW even more than me. How do you feel about the likes of RVD, Sabu, Jeff Hardy, Jeff Jarrett being on AEW TV? Big question I haven't thought too much about. It doesn't offend me as much as it offends some people, I think, because time after time, except for probably Jeff Hardy, although he's been there a bit longer, like him and Matt now, they've been there for a couple of years. So things can start to get a bit stale. But I think that for the most part, all of those guys that have come in for that almost like nostalgia run or like you say, their last paycheck, they've all been booked pretty well, haven't they? Like yeah, people make fun of Jeff Jarrett, but like he's actually, I think he's actually added something to the show. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't bother me if I never saw him again. And again, he was one of my favorite wrestlers in WCW in the late nineties. Well, well, 2000 anyway, 2000, 2001. But I just like, what it is, what it is. They've got us. They're trying to fill what five hours of TV every week. Yeah, and it doesn't offend me. But then that's why this podcast. <laughs> it's probably with us two. Like, not much offends either of us, right? Like, we're both fairly much like, oh, well, yeah. I can see why they did that. You know. Yeah. Whereas I'm sure that if some people were talking about it on their podcast, a different, you know, like wrestling should be arguments they would probably be ripping into like Jeff Jarrett, Jeff Hardy, RVD and Sabu, like you said, but it, it doesn't bother me. And especially with RVD, it was, just, it was great to see him. I really enjoyed yeah. it. It's and very different to WWE at times that bring in a legend like Goldberg and put him over there, next big star. It feels like they're being used to put the younger guys over, which is the difference, I guess. Yeah. I just wanted to say last thing about RVD before we talk a bit about main event Jey Uso, like... If you follow this podcast, you're probably used to what is essentially like a bit of an in-joke, I guess you might say, or um, a bit of an argument about between JCH and I about best frog splashes. And I've always <laughs> said, like, RVD's got the best frog splash of all time. 
just because he's got the vertical leap and secondly because of his weight. So he has a similar vertical leap at his peak. If you go back and watch some of those frog splashes at ECW with the tight ropes, you know, he was getting up as high as Montez Ford and he's got about probably 30, 40 pounds on Montez Ford, whereas Michael Oku doesn't have the vertical leap and he's half either of their weight. No offence on Michael Oku. I love the bloke as well. It's just argument's sake about frog splashes. Now, I think on Dynamite, there are a couple of things that I noticed. Well, the the vertical leap, firstly, for RVD trying to get to the top rope, he kind of missed the top rope. I don't know if you noticed that, Ross, but I've actually, I've seen essentially every match of RVD's career except for maybe a few in TNA. Yeah. And I've not seen him miss a top rope like that before. Okay. So that was the first thing for me. I was like, okay, well, that's one thing I noticed. I thought the vertical leap on the rolling thunder, it just wasn't what it used to be. And again, nor should it be. Like he's 53. It's cool. Like I don't, I'm not upset. I'm just talking honestly. And then I noticed the frog splash, the vertical leap, you know, it wasn't quite where it used to be. He wasn't up in the rafters. However, I still think after watching that corkscrew leg drop, the guillotine leg drop over the guardrail, it just proves my argument about why RVD's frog splash and his aerial moves are just the best. Because the weight that he came down on Jungle Boy's back to draw like Taz and Excalibur just completely breaking kayfabe, Taz said, holy cemento. And then, <laughs> and then Excalibur goes, oh, like he couldn't help himself. It's terrible announcing, but I liked it. He's like, oh, yeah, do you remember the conversation we had earlier today about RVD? And Taz was like, yep, yep. And it just goes to show that like the reason that RVD's undisputedly got the greatest frog splash in wrestling history is because the amount of weight that he was always bringing down throughout his career, especially at his peak. And even on Dynamite, it was still enough to get a five count before ref Aubrey Edwards came in and got the two and three quarters. Case closed, Harris. You're not here to argue your point, but I just want you to know. Well, now that Montez Ford has turned hill, you better watch yourself. (laughs) I didn't even know that. Did he turn against his partner? No, he's joined up with um, Bobby Lashley. All right. Oh, that's it. That's cool. That sounds engaging. Are they? They're on Raw, are they? Or SmackDown? SmackDown, yeah. With um, they've put Dawkins in like a suit, and it's quite funny because it's quite ill-fitting. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't mind it. I might have a look at that later. Sounds good. So that that's my favorite wrestler who was in the headlines in the last week. What about yours, mate? Main event, Jey Uso. Tell me about the story and your thoughts on uh, Jimmy. Well, Jimmy's involvement at SummerSlam, because we haven't spoken about that on the pod yet. Yeah, so I watched SummerSlam the morning after it happened. Normally I watch live, but I had a friend over and we had a pretty big weekend and it got to Saturday night and I was just like, I'm not sure that I'm going to make it, mate. So we got up early doors, spoiler free, uh, watched all of SummerSlam, enjoyed it. The main event, I was so hyped. And even my mate Phil, who was very much, I just don't see Jay as, as a main event champion. By the end, once we saw the video package and then the, the story unfolding in the match, by the end, he was on his knees and screaming for Jay Uso to get the win. I was having to watch through the fingers by my eyes. I was tense. I was nervous. My guy that I've been trying to say is the guy to take it off Roman. I picked him in the pickums to win. I'm an idiot. And <laughs> he gets pulled out after hitting the splash that previously beat him at Money in the Bank that we were there for and was one of my favorite moments in wrestling. And he gets pulled out by his brother after seemingly being the person who he was fighting for. And 
a lot of wrestling Twitter and Reddit and all those sorts of places were very anti it, saying that it's jumped the shark. It came out of nowhere. He's got no reason to do that. But as I've been saying this whole time, this whole Bloodline saga, it's all about questions and not answers. And it just rolls on and rolls on and rolls on. And yeah, some people have checked out. I understand it. It's been going on for almost three years. Roman wins in similar fashion a lot. I get all of those arguments, but I'm still invested. It's still the best thing in pro wrestling for me personally. And then on SmackDown, Jey Uso quits. He says, I'm out of the Bloodline and I'm out of WWE. And they've done the work shoot thing where he's on the page where all the other wrestlers who have left the company are on. Love that, by the way. There's talk of him potentially going to wrestle on independence to keep the kayfabe up that he's gone from WWE. We're not entirely sure if that's going to happen, but it'd be awesome if it does. We also had quite, quite a funny moment where a promoter was promoting Rikishi being on their show on like a small independent show in America. And on the poster, it said Rikishi, who will be refereeing at Payback yeah. as like a massive spoiler. Um, and Rikishi had to go on and online and be like, this is a mistake by the promoter that this isn't happening. But it's wrestling and word spreads fast. And I'm assuming that that probably was the plan. <laughs> WWE are definitely not working with that promoter anymore in the future. So yeah, super interesting for me personally. I get that some people think it's jumped the shark. I still see that this storyline boils down to next WrestleMania and it's that it's the four-way, the WrestleMania 2000 replay. I think that's a great story, but I also understand that Cody's building towards something and it probably will be Roman possibly. Um, and I don't get my Jey Uso beautiful story wrapped up and it might well be a triple threat between the brothers maybe, uh, which I'm still down with. But yeah, those are my thoughts. Quite interested to hear yours, as obviously it's caused quite um, the commotion online. Well, firstly, I fell asleep during the main event. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And not because I thought it was boring or anything. Sometimes these things happen when you're comfortable. Wrestling sometimes makes me fall asleep because it makes me very content. It's it's a place where I feel safe in my own anxiety-riddled brain. So uh, that, so I had to like, kind of double back and watch it again sort of thing. I And I haven't seen SmackDown. Uh, I just have seen some of the headlines like this week uh, with around what's going on. Like at first, like weirdly, the first one I read was Jey Uso might actually be gone. And I was like, surely not. Like some, you know, backwater, terrible faux journalist on social media for wrestling has taken the bait here, haven't they? So, and, like, there's been a few, like, joke ones around that I think got people about, you know, like, Joshua Fatu is all elite and all this, you know. <laughs> uh, but I think that's just pretty good banter. But I um, I must admit, I sort of I, – I don't necessarily think the storyline has jumped the shark because I, I think they're trying to find a way to get to Roman and Cody at Mania 40 and they probably – like, the idea, I guess, it's probably got to be Roman on his own. So I feel like eventually they're going to get, Roman's going to have to break away from all of the Usos, including Solo. Um, yeah, they definitely so they, teased. I don't know yeah. if you managed to catch the rest of the match if you've had a sleep, but they definitely teased a breakup between Solo and Roman, didn't they? Yeah, that's been happening for a little while, hasn't it? You know, even at Money in the Bank and stuff, there was, there was a few moments where 
fans are cheering for Solo. And I think maybe that happened a bit earlier than WWE may have wanted. But yeah, I, I do think we'll probably get Roman versus Solo as well. Um, and I guess we might get Roman versus Jimmy at some point. Maybe Jay stays away until Roman versus Jimmy. Yeah. Would you have him potentially win the Rumble, Jay? No, nah, I think it's got to be Cody. You think Cody wins the Rumble as well? Well, I think it's got to be Cody versus Roman. So he might, like, he might not win the, the Rumble, but if not, it's got to be someone on Raw that wins the Rumble, right? Yeah. Uh, this is just fantasy booking now for Mania. I've I got to tell you, I have not thought at all about who, if Rollins was still champion, like about who he could face at Mania. I think it would be, I know he's on the other brand now, so it doesn't make any sense at all, but wouldn't it be great fun to have Gunter win the Rumble and wrestle Seth Rollins for that title? and then Cody versus Roman. But Roman, the reason that it's different is because Roman has to be on his own. So maybe, like you said, the triple threat of the bloodline or something like that, the, the sorry, the three brothers, and then Roman is completely on his own. No one else is there, and then Cody can beat him when it's a one-on-one fight. Yeah, because technically it was Solo that beat Cody, wasn't it? That's right, yeah. 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 Uh, but that's completely just developing thoughts as I'm talking. I have not prepared for any of that at all. Yeah. Well, you know, we've got ourselves a big weekend in London coming up. And if Jey Uso shows up at any of those shows, I'm going wild. <laughs> Phrasing. Yeah, I, I, and so you should. <laughs> All right, let's talk about it. So um, we're doing a little bit of a roundtable this week where we like to do more of a deep dive into one specific topic or more than one specific topic. This week, we're actually going to talk about London. So... Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for our main event of the evening. This week's roundtable, all about biggest wrestling event in history in London, England. This is the Wrestling Chippy Fun Roundtable. Ross, I thought the way we'd do it is, I was trying to think, well, I guess like every man and his dog that's got a podcast is probably going to do previews of All In next week if they do a weekly show like we do. We've got something else hopefully going on next week with a special guest. So our thinking here was to try to do like rather than an All In preview, why don't we just talk a little bit about as actual London boys ourselves? I know my accent doesn't say that what we are kind of looking forward to and our thoughts about the entire weekend as a whole. And then next week we'll do something completely different, hopefully with a special guest. Is that all right with you, Ross? Absolutely. So again, instead of running down the cards, uh, like, you know, a lot of other podcasts might, I just thought we'd pick out a few key talking points. So the first thing I thought we should really like touch on are the actual shows that are going on over the weekend and which ones we're planning on making it to. So Ross, what tickets have you got so far? So far, I have Defy, Progress, AEW. I'm contemplating Hooked on Wrestling. Okay. But right, Cabaret, I think I'm going to be going to see The Strokes instead. So when you say Hooked on Wrestling, you're talking about the actual Monday Hooked on Wrestling show. That, um, shake yeah, it so all the, about. It's called Shake It All About. It's at the Dome. I think it's quite an interesting format. It's like 16 wrestlers or something like that. And they're all drawn at random like a battle bowl and then it goes through to the next round and then the teams get drawn again and and then again and again and again until you get to the final so it's going to be all kind of different teams and the winning tag team get a title shot 
the Progress Tag Team Championships, I believe. Oh, really? I didn't know about the title shot at the Progress Tag Championships. That's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, cool. Fair play. Hooked on Wrestling, getting involved with that. I didn't know that that was uh, part of it. Maybe, yeah, I haven't got a ticket for that yet. I do have a ticket for Right Cabaret sorted on the Friday night, uh, mostly just because I'm very excited for the weekend and I just feel like that will, you know, keep me busy and, like, um, something to do on that Friday. I've also got, uh, yeah, same as you, I've got Defy and Progress, and I've also got a ticket for Rev Pro at the Copper Box. Um, nice. So three shows on Saturday. I'm on the hooked-in, you know, list for their pre-show party yeah. at Wembley, and then Wembley, and then maybe Monday. So it's like it does have a real festival sort of vibe, doesn't it, as far as like I've not been to a Mania before, but it does feel like it's building to that type of thing. And hopefully like wrestling fans do really embrace it and like London can really be a wrestling town. Well, it's it certainly does moving that. that way, isn't it? Well, not just London, the UK. I saw a tweet earlier that was like, just this year, we're going to get WWE, AEW, New Japan, AAA, Impact, GCW, just this year are going to be in England. Yeah, I didn't know AAA were running. Yeah. Where are they running? I think it's like a joint thing with Rev Pro. I think. Oh, really? Yeah, cool. Yeah, I didn't know about that. Yeah, it is pretty amazing, isn't it? And it just, I think, just the success of Money in the Bank and then the success of this with Wembley, like the big dogs especially, that is going to, they can't not just keep bringing big shows here. And probably, like, you know, WrestleMania 41, right? So at some point, uh, I think we'll be talking about that in the future. You know, wrestling should be fine. Episode 200, maybe we'll have a WrestleMania to look forward to. Yeah, and I'd be amazed if Tony Khan hasn't booked Wembley for the next few years. Like, he seems to have a market and just hit that town time and time again, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't think this is not going to be a one-off for AW. They have to make sure that they knock it out of the park, though, and it's actually, you know, people want to come back because, you know, it does feel like AW just in general that they've kind of had some, like maybe a little bit of a fade in their popularity and... You know, they need to make sure that that doesn't happen if they're going to continue to run the big stadium. So, yeah, well, they certainly marketed it well, haven't they? The, it seems like every newspaper, billboard, bus in London that I see has got an all in marketing on it. So, they've certainly spent big on their marketing as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It it feels great when you see a red bus go past with John Moxley on it or whoever it might be. I was trying to think of someone that I saw on the on the buses that's not a major star. You know, it's pretty cool when you see Samoa Joe getting around on a London bus. Um, <laughs> well, so that like kind of ties into talking point number two for me. Like, and that's AEW's build. Um, there's been a lot of talk around about whether Tony Khan has done a good job with announcing things for the show. Where do you sit? on the fact that I guess still with two weeks alone, there's only, well, something like four matches confirmed. Let's let, hang on. Let's go through it quickly. What's been announced. So there's MJF first Cole, and then they've got their tag match on the pre-show as well against Aussie open. There's the yeah. sting Darby Allen swerve AR Fox coffin match. What else has actually been officially announced? The women's four way. Oh yeah. The women's four way. And then uh, Bucks FTR. So it's four matches on the main card and the pre-show match that you talked about as well. Yeah. Rumoured matches are Samoa Joe versus CM Punk. Yeah. Well, I mean, not rumoured, but like looks like it'll be announced on TV this week. I'd say so, yeah. 
Is there so then like six matches so far, two weeks out, or five or six matches, however you want to look at it. What do you think about the build? Do you think that things should have been announced earlier? Or are you a bit like me and thinking that, well, the show's sold 80,000 tickets without a match being announced? Who cares? Yeah, I'm with you personally. I get that people see this as the A show and or out as the B show. I get it. It's a much bigger audience. It's going to feel bigger. I get that. But also put in my like E-Fed promoter hat on. This was announced not too long ago. Like they probably have just had to shift stuff around in order to get this card ready. Whereas all out, I'm assuming, has been planned for months on end. Yeah. And I think that that's shown in the way that this card is shaping up. But for me personally, this happens every single time with AEW. If the card isn't exactly what people want, people say, you know, I'm not excited for it. And then they watch the show and it's 10 stars. <laughs> like yeah. they're going to knock it out of the park. Yeah. AEW have made a rod for their own back by having so many dream matches all the time. And, you know, all these pay-per-views every single time seem to have, you know, three... Uh, to use a tied cliche, five-star matches. Yeah. Um, at some point, you know, it's it's going to be okay for them to have just a show that cashes in on audience interaction and plays the hits rather than having to have a fresh new Omega versus Osprey-level dream match every time. Yeah. It's okay to have matches that blow off storylines uh, more so than just the dream matches for the first time ever every single on every single occasion. Yeah. Well, you've got a match that they've built to quite well, I think, with the AR Fox match. The AR Fox hill turn on, on that show that he turned hill on, it, it felt like they made him a thing rather than just guy that does cool moves and loses. Yeah. I thought that, that they did a really good job with AR Fox, including the, the little package that they did about how he was really instrumental in helping Nick Wayne. So that was like a babyface thing. And then obviously that awesome vignette of the beatdown on Nick Wayne was quite the opposite of a babyface thing. And yeah, like that match has been built great and it's staying at Wembley, which is really, really cool. You've got yeah. the AW Women's title, even though she's a heel, you've got the Soraya wrestles at Wembley story there, which is really yeah. cool. And the potential of Jamie Hayter coming out at the end, I'm assuming, which would get a really big pop. Yeah. FTR Bucks is the sort of stuff that we book in those dream card yearly things that we do. And that ticks the dream match box, right? Yeah, it's just that it's been done before. But like I say, there's not an, a limitless amount of these things that can happen. Yeah, and it's the third match of a trilogy, so it's got stakes. So that's cool. And MGF Cole has been the story of the past two and a half months, right, in, a in AW? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I am really interested to see what they do. They can't actually have a babyface main event, surely. Something has to happen at some point. Like, there's got to be, and like, there has to be some sort of story development. Yeah. I, I, I just don't know what it is. So I'm excited to see that as well. I really loved MJF and Cole and all that stuff. It's corny and it's lame, but I think it's brilliant. I, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. I've really enjoyed the little nuanced bits that they've done, like for how, when Cole gave him the hug, he gave him the like the knife in the back, like he did to Roderick Strong on NXT previous to turning his back on him. The Roderick Strong stuff has got so many wrinkles that it could go with. At the moment, he's coming across like this whiny ex-lover. Yeah. And MGF is the babyface. But we all know that really it's the other way around in the story. 
Yeah. So there's loads of ways that that, that can go. Obviously, Carlo Riley's due back soon, so there's loads of potential things happening there as well. Like, yeah, there's so many layers to it. I'm really into it. Uh, and I love the fact that it's been a slow build. I think everyone was expecting MGF to hit Cole at the end when they lost the title match. And when it didn't happen, I was really, really happy because, as I said, I'm a Bloodline fan and the drip feed more questions than answers model is working on the other channel and it's working here. Yeah. Ties into, now I sort of said it in jest as a bit of a lead-in in the intro. How do you feel about the, this is talking point three, the tagline, the biggest wrestling show in history? We don't really do tribal lines and culture war and wrestling should be fun, but as someone who keeps up with WWE more than me, how do you feel about that tagline? Does it offend you? And as my resident Twitter expert, has it offended people online? It's definitely got the goat up of people that are just WWE fans and will constantly just fight anyone who says that WWE aren't the best thing since sliced bread. But if you've got a legit show that can claim to be the biggest selling wrestling show of all time and you're not marketing it as such, then you're a fool. And he's got every right to do that. And he often quotes the fact that they don't want to be seen as, you know, second rate or the lower competition. And he constantly quotes the fact that AEW's watched more in the UK than it is in WWE. Uh, in yeah, WWE. WWE. And I know that people will say, well, that it's because that's free to air and you have to watch BT Sports and be subscribed to it. And that is a fair valid point. But the point is that it is more watched in the UK. Yeah. And this show that they're putting on with the amount of people that are turning up for it, it's great PR for him. And it's well earned. So that tagline, perfect tagline. Shout it from the treetops. Yeah, I, I always find it I find it a bit funny when people say that before it happens. So when I found a couple of years ago when Edge and Randy Orton had that build and it was that backlash and oh, it was the, the greatest, greatest match, match of all time or whatever, right? Yeah. And I am okay with that type of stuff after. I'm not a big fan of those sorts of things being said as a build-up, but that's just me with a you know personal taste. And I mean, I've I've already bought my ticket, so like they don't they don't need to win me over. I I watch either two or three AEW shows every week. They don't need to sell anything to me, and but I'm also the sort of guy that I will continue to follow WWE when I can. I don't dislike it either, so like whatever. But yeah. I just think saying something like that beforehand is, yeah, it's really showing your hand a bit, I thought. But I don't know, something about it doesn't quite pass the sniff test, but I don't know. (laughs) Well, I just think that if you're a marketing man and you've got the opportunity to ram that home, you've got to do it because you don't know when the next win is coming around the corner. Yeah, that's fair enough. Is there anything in particular that you think is going to be announced that you're like really looking forward to on that show? Like, Wrestlers that probably are going to have some involvement but haven't been announced yet, Omega, Jericho, Osprey. What would you do? From a fan perspective, having been at Clash, having been at Money in the Bank, the big shows that have come here recently, any kind of big pop that you can get, any kind of crowd interaction that you can get, you have to get it on that show. Get Fozzy on that show. Get that theme song being played. Get Grado on the show. Get that song being played. We're going to get treated to... Six, seven, eight work rate matches. Give yes. us Grado versus Jarrett as the cleanser well, and a bit of fun. 
I tell you what I would absolutely love if we got Grado versus Jarrett. And they probably can't because WWE own the licensing rights. What about if they got Jarrett in an open challenge and he came out to the ring and sang with my baby tonight? <laughs> all for and, it. And then, absolutely and, then for we, it. and then we get like a prayer afterwards. That would be unbelievable, right? As long as he does it with Sanjay Satnam in those matching outfits that they were wearing at the Briscoe farm. I'm yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. That was one of my favorite bits of TV of the year, that. <laughs> the Jarrett at the Briscoe farm was unreal. But going yeah. back to Grado, I know like there's certain people in the wrestling community that feel that Brit Rest should be nowhere near this show and that they haven't earned the right to be on that show. But without Grado, the British wrestling boom potentially never happens. And I think that that guy has earned that spot personally. I'd be so happy for him if he does get that spot. And I'd be delighted if it ends with him and Colt having some kind of embrace because those guys love each other and they've got a storied past as well. Yeah. Maybe Iron Jew could take on the um, the Jarrett family. Jarrett, uh, what are they called? Triple J. Yeah. No, I'm into that too. That'd be brilliant. Just talking about Grado while well, we got a second line. I'm not sure when we're going to be talking about Grado again unless he's on the show. Last time I saw Grado, it is so clear to me, and I was like that he actually just wants the business to thrive as well and he loves the business. Like I went to that ICW show that he was on and literally the whole show, he was the only truly over person on that whole show. Just the reaction that he gets and the amount that people are into what he did on that show compared to literally everybody else is mad, right? I can't imagine Grado is making that great a coin for the other shows and stuff that he does on the BBC and all that. I'm sure he's doing okay. But then before the show, in the middle of the show and after the show, he was in a tag team with this guy called Ravy Davey, who since uh, got the sack from ICW, I'm told. He actually messaged me and told me that. And, like, Grado could have been out there, you know, he could have made another 500 quid. No worries at the merch table. Maybe more than that. Could have made another 1,000 quid. Every person there would have bought a Grado T-shirt, but he didn't come to the merch desk at all, and Ravy Dave was out there all night. And clearly, I mentioned it to Ravy Dave, and he was like, yeah, Grado just said that I can have it. Like, Grado's just out the back. But, like, he's giving up an extra 1,000 quid just to, like, give me the rub. He's here, I got the pin, you know, like, and then Ravy Dave was out there selling his T-shirts. And then, I'll tell you what else, I was with three women who had never been to wrestling before. Doesn't matter what gender they are, it's just part of the story three people who had never been to wrestling before and they all bought a Ravy Davy t-shirt. Nice. You know, that's just an example of why Grado deserves that 80,000 people like a prayer rub, I think. But anyway, he's not a friend of mine or anything. It's just my personal experience with him. Yeah. Now that it's been teased, I'd almost be almost disappointed if it doesn't happen. Yeah, me too, probably. Me too. Even if they um, just put it on like the zero hour thing, you know? Yeah, that would 100%. You know it's going to be full for the zero hour thing, like based on what sort of big show it is. Like people who are going to that aren't going to be sitting in the pubs. Like everyone's going to be in there, aren't they? So yeah, especially with the train strikes. Oh yeah, I'd forgotten about that. To be fair, how am I getting home? I think you're fine for tube and stuff. I think it's more um like if you're traveling from Liverpool, Manchester, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Rotterdam, Rome. <laughs> Very good. Okay, let's do a few quick ones and get out of here. Next talking point. What AEW match or moment are you most looking forward to on the Sunday at Wembley? Is it Grado? Uh, moment, Grado. Kind of historical moment, seeing Sting possibly for the last time. And the main event, 
the MGF Adam Cole thing. I, I truly think that the build has been terrific. For me, I'm going to go match. I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens with Aussie Open just because they're my boys. And I just am really looking forward to that. And I think there's going to be some storyline development for Cole and MJF. And I think it's a chance for Aussie Open to get even more shine, which I think that they deserve. Uh, Moment-wise, there's a few things I'm looking forward to. I would love it if CM Punk is wrestling Samoa Joe. Um, Well, that's obviously a dream for me to be there for that, you know, since 2003. But I would love it if CM Punk came out to AFI again. I mean, I'm probably one of, you know, 79,999 other people would hate that. But for me, that would be a special thing. So hopefully that gets announced. And if I'm there to be a part of that, well, that, uh, you know, maybe it would be a little bit of a goosebumps tear moment for me, that one. Nice. One last thing on that is um, I was obviously a massive Tommy Enmark when we were going to progress at the start of our wrestling should be fun days. And potentially seeing him at Wembley would be awesome for me as well. 100%. Yeah. There's so many things like that, like Judas, uh, like it's just going to be unreal as well. Like just, it's just going to be so great. What about, so what about over the weekend? Could you narrow it down to one or two non-Wembley matches or moments that you're looking forward to over the weekend? Defy excites me. Seeing Kenta at the ballroom is going to be super cool, right? We haven't seen Kenta before, have we? We saw him at Copper Box. Oh, yeah. No, we have. Yeah, Copper Box. I forgot and about that. And was it him that got knocked loopy or Ishii in their match? It was an absolute belt of a match, but one of them got knocked loopy in that match. I, I do not which. remember, but I, I do remember that now. It was for that the open weight title, wasn't it? Yeah. They had an absolute ding-dong, and one of them got their bell rung. <laughs> Might have been Kenta, actually, but um, yeah. I hope like Kenta is like working the merch table. I'd love to just say hello to him. <laughs> like yeah yeah because yeah just you know talk about 2004 that would be wonderful yeah so that would be the highlight i think of the defy show just seeing kenta in the ballroom potentially seeing the go to sleep live which would be pretty cool and the progress show there's so much story in that card i'm really excited to see the story developments on almost every match that's been announced so far but the match that stands out has to be Nick Wayne and Leon Slater. That's going to bang. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that as well. Yeah, I can't really argue with you on that. I think Kent is going to be great. Uh, Slater versus Wayne, obviously going to be awesome. You know, I, I think very highly on both of those guys. That's going to be great. I'm trying to think about, is there anything uh, that you haven't said that I'm really looking forward to? You know what? I'm going to I'll throw in one. Really looking forward to the hosts of the Hooked on Wrestling pre-show, uh, Gene Money and Session Moth Martina. I think that's going to be great fun. If it couldn't be me doing it, well, I'm glad it's those two. So that's going to be good fun. We haven't mentioned Fan of the Pods, uh, Sunshine Machine against Bollywood Boys. That'll be fun. Yeah, for sure. I hope that, you know what, I'm just really looking forward to as well. Like, And this is just completely like self-indulgent stuff. People don't give a shit about us really, but like, it's just going to be great to have... 15 of our close mates there drinking beer together and just making the most of like an amazing weekend. I can't wait to share it with you guys. And as always, dear listener, if you do see the wrestling should be fun boys and people come along, uh, come say hello. Mine's a Guinness, uh, you know, we'll get involved in a shot round or whatever. The community is always growing. So come and say hello. You never know. We probably, I'm hoping to have a beer with uh, TK and Mamba at some point over the weekend as well. So uh, that's going to be good. Last one from me then, mate. What about, and this is a bit more fantasy booking, what do you think about any dream surprise appearances? Is there anything that you would like to see on any of the 
shows across the weekend? Who would you like to see turn up that's not already announced? You can do as many as you like. What would you like to see? Great question. So let's go through it. For Riot Cabaret, even though I'm not there, I'm hoping that you get some wacky Mr. Blobby type thing that, <laughs> that they're so famous for. I hope at least you get one big moment like that and you get a photo for £45 with them. <laughs> right. right, Cabaret, I would really love a surprise appearance. I think, like, for me, someone that would fit in really well there would be Orange Cassidy. Yeah, um, great show. Orange Cassidy at Right Cabaret, like, some involvement with Session Moth Martina. I would love that. You know, what about, like, Cassidy and Session Moth versus Sunshine Machine or something like that at Right Cabaret? That's To me, that's got Right Cabaret vibes. Yeah, big time. Big time. Yeah. Wrestling right. should be fun. It's very Riot Cabaret. Yeah. I'd love a bit of that. Anything else? What about on the Saturday? So here's one for you. On the Saturday, we get in the Defy show, Nick Wayne in his match getting attacked by AR Fox and Shane Strickland. Yes. Off the AEW stuff. And obviously they're from that promotion in the past. On the Progress show, Spike Trevay stands over Lycos 1 and Lycos 2 with Bullet. The lights go out and Adam Cole shows up. Oh, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Spike Trevay and Adam Cole, yeah. Um, if you want to hear more about Spike Trevay's thoughts on Adam Cole, go back and have a listen to our long-form interview with Spike Trevay three weeks ago. <laughs> yep. And Sunday, surprise match gets set up, even if it can't happen because of injury where we get start of the setup and build Brian Danielson versus Nigel McGuinness. Maybe yeah. Brian Danielson interrupts a magic show or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I've seen the magic show, dear listener, and it is literally jokes about Brian Danielson the whole way through. I'm not making this up. Anyone that's going to the magic show that hasn't been yet, get yourself prepared for one hour of McGuinness ragging on the American Dragon. Because he really yeah. does. He gets like, and like, it, it's all funny. Like, McGuinness is genuinely a funny guy. It's like mostly a stand up show with a bit of magic thrown in, but there's like 10 jokes at the expense of the dragon. So, uh, yeah, get used to that. I think that's at the dome, isn't it? On the Monday? Is it at the dome? Yeah, right. So, yeah. Danielson at the dome on the Monday. <laughs> it's almost like one of those things where like that Monday show, it's more likely for there to be some like absolutely ridiculous shit happen. It almost makes me want to get a ticket for the magic show just in case like any AEW guys are there getting pissed. Obviously it's a battle bowl tag team tournament. So it'd be great if someone like Jeff Hardy is part of the tournament. Tag team yeah. specialist. Yeah, that'd be really cool. I think you've pretty much touched on most of them. Mine would have been, you know, Nigel McGuinness and Dragon. I'd also really maybe like not quite the same dream match, but for me it would be as well. Like I hope in the future there's an opportunity for Dragon versus Punk. That's got to happen somewhere down the line as well. Yeah. How about as the mega, mega story of all mega stories, Hooded Man interrupts in the main event. Everyone assumes it's Roddy Strong and it's main event Jay. Imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I would like probably the one guy that we haven't mentioned yet that I'm sure has to turn up somewhere and whether it's a surprise appearance or a major impact on the AEW show, like Mox. We haven't spoken about Moxley. Like he's wrestled for Defy before. Um, he's the sort of guy that likes an independent. I, like, I can't see him having a match before AEW, but gee, it'd be great to have Moxley in some capacity in the ballroom, wouldn't it? Um, oh, amazing. And obviously I, 
obviously yeah. the chapter's called It's Clobbering Time. So there's a little nod and wink. Yeah. If that happens, oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I guess there's nothing much more to say than after talking about all this stuff that's got our mouth watering, that none of which will happen, that tickets <laughs> for Defy and Progress are still available. In the ballroom, come and get around us and just add to your all-in weekend. If you're listening to this and you know, you're making the trek to London, why don't you make the most of it? Come down a day early, check out some wrestling in the afternoon. I'm sure that there'll be a wrestling should be fun mini bus going from the ballroom to the copper box at some point in the evening. Maybe there'll be a spare seat on that for some people as well. Come and get involved and get around us and we'll get around you. I think we've done pretty good justice for the weekend, not just running through the cards, right? We've done okay. Yeah, man. Some um, interesting talking points and some silly predictions as always. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. um just uh it's nice to be back to a two-man booth just for one week a different sort of flow to the podcast i've enjoyed it don't forget dear listener uh, i'm talking about getting around us uh all the social medias twitter wsbfun instagram tiktok threads is wrestling should be fun all one word and rate review subscribe that's pretty much it i think most importantly drink lots of water look after your mates Wrestling should be fun, should be fun, wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun, wrestling should be fun.